Welcome back, you guys, to this week's episode of the Take 30 Podcast. I'm your host for the week, Izzy Mahurl, and I hope you guys have had a good week. I know mine was pretty busy, but hey, it's college. We're college students. That's just part of it, you know? We've actually got a pretty cool lineup of stories for y'all today. And uh, stay tuned to the end for a special Take 30 Podcast exclusive about MSU sustainability and some of the things our fellow students have been doing to make our campus greener, research they've done, actually going out of state on internships to do uh, real work in wildlife, a bunch of really cool stuff, and we talked to some pretty great people, so if you're interested in that, stay tuned to the end. Uh, speaking of podcasts, our first story today is about one MSU student's internship running the Starkville Police Department's podcast. Uh, Jake White has the story on that. I think that it's been extremely beneficial for me. Students interested in law enforcement are no stranger to internships with the Starkville Police Department. Typically, law enforcement agencies will uh, bring in criminology or criminal justice students that, that learn about the direct field that we do, that being law enforcement. But now communication students can join the force too. Felicia Morris runs the station's podcast, The Guardian, at the Starkville Police Department. I think that as far as interns, all across Mississippi State. They're always looking for different opportunities and everything like that. And I also think that working with the police department is beneficial for college students in general. And Sergeant Brandon Lovelady agrees, internships for college students are a must. It helps us with our transparency, number one. And number two, it gives them an opportunity uh, to have internships and that real hands-on experience that might not be as easy to get uh, in the surrounding area of Mississippi State during the school year. I also spoke with Lieutenant Josh Wilson on how interns at the Starkville Police Department benefit them. It offers students real-world opportunities, work experience, and it benefits us by allowing them to uh, help us accomplish uh, all sorts of tasks. The Guardian podcast airs every second and fourth Friday with an episode coming out this week. In Starkville, Jake White, Take 30 News. Uh, that's actually pretty cool that they let students run it too and that the Starkville community is giving back to students and giving them opportunities like that to be actively involved in keeping Starkville safe and getting a hands-on experience in a workforce that maybe you wouldn't get to otherwise. I think that's really great. Uh, check out an episode or two of their podcast called The Guardian when you get the chance. Uh, on the flip side, Chase Crawford looked into how MSU students are giving back to the Starkville community with a bake sale this week. And who doesn't love a good bake sale, especially one whose proceeds are doing such good for others like this one did. Here's that story. Cookie or cupcake? That is the question for students at Mississippi State University as the Association of Student Social Workers hosts a week-long bake sale for Theater MSU. We're raising money for partnering with Theater MSU because they're hosting a free showing for social workers, foster kids, and their families um, on October the 1st. Um, it'll be free for them, so we're kind of covering the cost for that. The event featured treats for a $1 donation, and those proceeds go straight to work for the upcoming production, Pants on Fire. And the Campus Club hopes that students will come out and support here and here. We were down to do anything, um, any fundraisers for anybody just down to help out. Um, and so they came to us to help us um, raise some money with them. So we've had a few of them help us tabling this week. So they are, are um, getting all the funds for their event. And then we are being volunteers at the event and like hosting and like showing people where to sit and all that kind of stuff. The goal was to raise $200 from the week-long sale. And by Thursday, they had raised almost $150. With just under 50 to go, they were confident they could reach their goal by the end of the week. We just want to get enough to have a couple snacks and a few games, um, just to make it a little more fun for the kids to, to have, you know. For more information on events like the Sweet Treats Bake Sale, 
You can check out ASSW on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For Take 30 News, I'm Chase Crawford. Wow, thanks to Chase for covering that one. That's a great cause for sure. And um, I really hope that they reach that goal of raising $200. Uh, Like Chase said, you can check them out at ASSW on Instagram and Facebook. Give them a follow, reach out to volunteer, ask what you can do to help, whatever you feel like. I'm sure they'd appreciate that extra support. Um, I know typically they say you got to eat the nutritious stuff before you can have your sweets, but hopefully the bake sale didn't spoil this next story for you because today we put the sweet stuff first. Up next, we have a story on how you can eat healthy on campus with the provided meal plans. So listen up to what our reporter Colin James has to share if you're looking for more healthy options on campus. Keeping up with a nutritional balance as a student may be hard for some, such as Mississippi State student Frank Mueller, who can tend to get into bad habits with their nutrition. I would say that like once I start eating some junk food, I won't stop until the duration of the day is finished. And then I will complain that I ate too much junk food uh, when I wake up the next morning and I start to feel it. While it may be overwhelming at first, Mississippi State students can get their nutrition on the right track through resources and advice from Mississippi State's Department of Food Science, Nutrition, and Health Promotion. Students at Mississippi State also have their own means of getting their daily nutrients, whether it be eating on campus or gathering their own food to put together something special. It's not just the kitchen that keeps you healthy either. It's also about getting outside and being active to stay in shape. Suzanne Bowen from MSU's Nutrition Department gave her own advice on how students can stay healthy throughout the school year. A lot of students I talk to are having just a really busy lifestyle and don't necessarily take the time to stop and and eat something and we know that um, our brain needs fuel right and when you're trying to study and learn your brains need um, something to to keep that going and our brain can't store carbohydrates so it's really important that it gets a consistent amount throughout the day so it can function at its best with take three news i'm colin james That's some great, um, simple advice and information. I know I definitely could have used that um, information my freshman year for sure. Like Colin said, um, even just getting outside, going on walks can make a big difference in how you feel and how well you focus day to day in class, getting work done, uh, you'll sleep better. Just, it really makes a huge difference. So make sure you're staying active and healthy, Bulldogs. For our next couple of stories, we actually get a little behind the scenes sneak peek about how each story got put together because we actually have the reporters here with us today. All right, so here we have Michael, who did the Cotton District Arts Festival for his story this week. Um, you just want to tell me a little bit about why you decided to pick that for your story? Um, you know, the Cotton District Arts Festival has been an annual event here in Starkville since the 80s. Um, I saw that it was coming up and figured why not do a little preview for students, faculty, or anybody that's going to be watching it just in case they see and they have the opportunity to come out on the 23rd to, to the festival. Perfect. So who did you get to talk to this week while you were putting this together? So this week I talked to two students, Maggie Jones and Molly McDaniel, and they've they've attended the festival before and they will be attending on Saturday. And then I had the opportunity on Tuesday to talk to uh, Julie, <laughs> Juliette Reed, who is the uh, Starkville Area Arts Council Program Coordinator. So she's the one that kind of got the ball rolling and after Last year's art festival started planning for it. She told me she's been planning since early April of oh, wow. last okay. year. Wow. Um, 
she said, I mean, she says she puts in a hundred, hundred, hundreds of hours. She's there in the uh, Sartre Arts Area Council building in downtown some days from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. So she's, she's putting in a lot of hours for a lot of work, but it ends up being a pretty big and successful event. Yeah, that's what I've heard. So what kind of things can people look forward to at this art festival if like they haven't really heard about it, haven't been before, that kind of thing? Why is it such a big deal? So at this art festival, there's over 100 art vendors, 20 food trucks, and three live food stages. Oh, wow. um, you can expect great cuisine, great art that's being shown, and some's even, even being sold, and local uh, artists. It's a big event because it's not just people in Starkville. It's people from the Golden Triangle area mm -hmm. and the surrounding areas of Mississippi. And it's just a big thing for the city of Starkville itself and for the economy because they team up with other stores within the Cotton District. And right. not every store is um, participating in the Arts Festival this year, but it still brings in traffic to mm -hmm. these other places. Yeah. So it usually is a pretty heavily trafficked festival and brings in a lot of people. Of course. That's awesome. Is this the kind of story you normally like to cover? Do you, is there a specific like realm you'd normally lean, lean towards? Um, to be honest, I really don't have a particular realm. I just saw the opportunity and yeah. figured why not go for it. Yeah, understandable. Well, we're glad that you brought the story to this week. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And we are actually going to go right into Michael's story. The 2023 Cotton District Arts Festival is officially here in an effort to showcase all Starkville has to offer. Juliette Reed is the Starkville Area Arts Council Program Director, and she says it's an event that takes a lot of work to get going. The planning really starts, I would say, we're doing it in the fall. It starts April, May. It takes hundreds of hours and a lot of, you know, going out into the community and talking to people and arranging things. That's because the art festival features local and regional art, live music, and local cuisine. That includes more than 100 art vendors, 20 food vendors, and three live music stages. I'm just going to listen to some music and hopefully see some art I can buy for my friends. For those who want to get involved with the arts festival, the Starkville Area Arts Council encourages everyone in the Golden Triangle area to sign up. Volunteering is... Uh the main source of how we get things done because as I said there are only three people who are paid you can't run a festival as big as this with only three paid people it wouldn't happen volunteering is kind of the basis of what we do because uh, nationally one volunteer hour is worth about thirty dollars per hour um, so sometimes that's worth even more than a donation people in the Starkville area look forward to this event every year and they're excited about things they can taste see and experience I'm a junior at Mississippi State, so this would be my third year attending the Cotton District Arts Festival, and I'm just really excited to listen to some great music, see some art, and eat some good food. The Cotton District Arts Festival covers most of Main Street in the Cotton District, starting in front of the Visual Arts Center and going all the way down to St. Joseph's Catholic Church. For Take 30 News, I'm Michael Corkin. Awesome, thanks so much for that, Michael. Our next behind the scenes sneak peek is about the Wood Magic Science Fair, which I personally thought was a super cool story once I heard more about it. So let's hear more from the reporter herself who covered this topic. Kimia? Uh, my name is Kimia Borjani. I am the reporter for this week and I did the Wood Magic Science Fair. 
in the Wood Magic Science Fair is a field trip they have for the third and fourth graders and they teach the third and fourth graders about wood. And I remember like, it was weird to me cause like I actually went to this field trip when I was around like third grade, fourth grade. Mm -hmm. Cause my dad signed me up for the class. Cause my dad, he was a professor at the sustainable byproducts department, but he retired in 2018, like four or five like years ago. But the funny thing is like this year they needed more people. So they asked a bunch of retired staff and my dad, um, he went and he worked the house film over there. But it's a bunch of different booths. They teach kids about wood. And I didn't know this, but the reason they made the field trip, I didn't get this like in the video cause it was like a long story. Mm -hmm. But the guy told me that um, his daughter, like the teacher found out that like he like worked in the forestry department and they thought it was so interesting. And she wanted like the kids to go on a field trip. Then these kids were like, all y'all do is just like cut down the trees and y'all destroy the ozone. <laughs> so then they were like, well, this is like what these kids like think about us. And I mean, they do a bunch of stuff to like help out, but like, I guess nobody like really realizes it. Mm -hmm. Cause I used to work in their lab. <laughs> like my first job was in their lab and mm -hmm. they would do stuff that like, so like the termites wouldn't eat the wood as much. And then they did something else to like make the paint last longer on wood. So the wood would last longer. They weren't really just people who cut down the trees. Right. And the other guy mentioned it too, that like people thought of it as like, you know, thought of them as like the Lorax yeah, or something. Yeah, like destroying nature. Yeah, so yeah. because of that, um, they made this field trip and they thought like the first time they made it, they didn't think a lot of people would show up. They mm -hmm. thought four or five classes would show up, but 67 people showed up. Oh, wow. And it was one guy doing it, but then like they realized, okay, this is way too many classes are showing up, too many people are interested. So they have like a bunch of people doing it now. And like, as of now, they have student workers working it and they have retired staff working it. Oh, okay. So. So basically, who did you interview for your story? I interviewed um, Dr. Seal. That was one of my interviewers. They told me that he was the one who like started the idea. And he was the one who was telling me that his class like went on the field trip mm -hmm. and the funny thing is like he told me like right like this year his grand um it was either his grandson or his granddaughter was on that field trip mm -hmm. and like the first and his daughter had done the field trip too then the other guy I interviewed benjamin wiley he said he was a sophomore but he went to startle academy okay and he said he had also went to the field trip and then me i had also went to the field trip as well and <laughs> i don't know it's just crazy so the field trip i mean it means a lot to a lot of people and like Two of us have went. Maybe more mm -hmm. of the student workers that went. I don't know. Does this happen only once a year? Like, it's just a field trip they do once a year just with Starkville Academy? Or do they no, it's, they did it once a year. The first time, well, they did it once a year for, like, a long time. But then they were underfunded, so they didn't do it for, like, five years. But then this year, I think they got the funds because it's a lot of money. That, you know, right. there's, like, a bunch of different booths. Yeah. They have, like, T-shirts. They have, like, I don't know. It's, I could tell it was something that took them, like, a good bit of money. But they right. really wanted to do it. Because it teaches, like, people so much about wood. And, like, when mm -hmm. I think about it, like, I mean, I did a field trip. I'm a student intern there. Yeah. The other guy did the field trip. He's, like, like the major. And then, like, mm -hmm. my dad said, even if, like, it not only does it teach the students, it kind of, like, educates the teachers as well. Because, like, let's yeah. say the teachers, like, have a, um, a kid and, like, they're interested in wood. They can think about, well, like, you know, what about this place? Mm -hmm. And, like, it just helps, like, bring awareness to the university and, like, the sustainable bioproducts department. And CFR. I think CFR had something to do with it, too. I think it was both of them together. But the location where it was hosted, it was Sustainable Byproducts. Okay, cool. That's all I got for you. Thanks for talking to me about your story. Oh, you're welcome. Perfect. And here's her finished product for you guys. Third and fourth grade students flooded Mississippi State University for the annual Wood Magic Science Fair. We decided 
to invite all the teachers from Scarborough, Columbus, and West Point to come on a field trip. And at that time, the only facilities we had were our auditorium and we could hold three classes. About 3,500 students attended this year's fair. Each person got to learn just how renewable, recyclable, biodegradable, and durable wood really is. You can also take a picture with the bunny. One, two, three. People get, you know, false interpretations of the importance of, uh, you know, using wood products. You know, people usually think in terms like the Lorax, where you chop down on the trees, they're not going to grow back. It's going to be, you know, deforestation and everything. And it's, it's actually really important for the environment to use those wood products from the trees to uh, make a more sustainable place for us to live. Benjamin Wiley remembers his experience when he was in elementary school. I did this when I was in third grade because I went to school right down the road in Trumbull Academy. It just really brought me back and it just made me enjoy it a little bit more. Since the start of this event, the Wood Magic program has been presented to more than 150,000 participants. For Take 30 News, I am Kimia Borjani. All right, Michael and Kimia, thank you guys again for that little glimpse of what it was like to dive into these stories this week. I'm sure our listeners really appreciated that. Okay, last but not least, we have our podcast exclusive, what you've all been waiting for, I'm sure. I had the privilege of speaking with Grant Peterson this week. He's a senior at Mississippi State, and he's very, very passionate about studying and caring for the world around us and all the wildlife that inhabits it as well. Um, he's actually been doing some really great work along with some other MSU students um, to make MSU and Starkville as a whole a safe environment for everyone and everything living in it, basically. And I think he gives a really good look into what it means to care for the environment and how to do that. Um, which can seem kind of over our heads as college students, but he really puts it on a level where it's something we can contribute to and be knowledgeable about. So I really hope y'all enjoy getting to listen to him and what he has to say as much as I did. I guess I'll just start with, you know, introduce yourself, uh, your major, things that you're involved in on campus, and kind of why this topic specifically is something that you're passionate about. Okay. Um, my name is Grant Peterson, and I am a senior studying wildlife, fisheries, and aquaculture at Mississippi State. Um, I am part of Students for Sustainable Campus. I'm president. Um, I'm also part of the Wildlife Society. Okay. So, yeah, I'm very, I'm interested in anything environmental. Okay. Anything at all, honestly. Um, I grew up in Starkville, and I went a lot to Noxabee Wildlife Refuge as a kid, and that kind of got me interested in, like, nature. Um, and then I was also in, like, science club mm -hmm. in school, so I've, I've been interested in science and the environment for a while. And just seeing seeing all the environmental issues that our generation is going to have to grow up with right. uh, and face as we become adults, I think has just really inspired me to want to take action in addressing some of these issues. Um, both as a scientist and also as like an activist. Awesome. Yeah. So what are you planning on? I said you said you're a part of the Wildlife Society and then also mm -hmm. that you're the president of the um, Students for Sustainable Campus now, which is really cool. Um, what are some ways that those organizations individually encourage, I guess, environmental awareness or actually take action for these concerns that you've seen that we mm -hmm. will be growing up with? Yeah, so Students for a Sustainable Campus, uh, obviously our thing is sustainability for campus and also Starkville. Um, 
there are a few ways that we go about tackling sustainability. Mm -hmm. We have like larger like policy um, goals like that we try to get done through our climate march each okay. fall. Uh, so this year it'll be in November, but we march from Lee Hall to City Hall and we have like a demands document, which is bas basically just suggestions for sustainable changes that the university in Starkville can make. Okay. Um, and then afterwards, we work to get those changes implemented. Um, so last year, we asked for curbside recycling, mm -hmm. which we're still in the process. I think we're going to ask for that again from okay. Starkville and then like update that with what we've done since then. Um, and then also, we do a lot of service projects. Um, and that helps get like the general student body really involved mm -hmm. in sustainability. And they're like, like there are people at the athletics department who help us set up the post-game recycling. Um, and then there are people in the landscape architecture department who are going to help us put together our rain garden proposal, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So there are people on campus who are definitely interested in helping us. Good. It's just that they're all like spread out throughout campus right. and they're not like in one centralized yeah. place where we can all like work together all the time. Um, yeah, I'd say the university administration is generally pretty open mm -hmm. to helping us as long as our projects are feasible. Right. Um, like Mark Keenum is the one who established the $20,000 green fund because our group asked for that. I don't, I'm not sure how long ago, but probably like eight years ago. Okay. Something like that. So the administration is on board. It just has to be like feasible projects. Right. Yeah. All right, so my last question for you is, are there any good ways for people who are interested in getting involved in these organizations or just learning more about how they can make an impact in, on Mississippi State's campus and in Starkville? What are some good resources for people to uh, go to for that? Um, so obviously you can come to so Students for Sustainable Campus meetings. We meet on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. in the Old Main 1200. Um, and we... Even if you can't make it to meetings, we also have like events like the Climate March and Green Week and Earth Week, which you can come to and support. Um, and we try to have a lot of educational info there if you're interested in becoming more sustainable. Um, some easy things you can do to become more sustainable are um, like recycling. So I know it's not super publicized, but there are recycling dumpsters on campus, which you could take your recycling to. And most buildings have like blue recycling bins. Mm -hmm. um, and then taking the smart bus places like it, around campus, then also it goes downtown. Mm -hmm. Biking or walking to class instead of driving. Um, there's a community market that has like local food every Saturday morning. Okay, uh, yeah. So supporting like local vendors is pretty good. Um, yeah, generally supporting supporting clubs and organizations who are doing this kind mm -hmm. of work is really important. Like we need people involved. Um, right to show university administration that this is something that the student body as a whole is passionate about and wants to wants to see change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And unless you have anything else you want to add, that's all I've got for you. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's generally it. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for taking the time to interview me. And yeah, being of course. Thanks for being willing topics. to be with me, yeah. especially over Zoom. I know Zoom can be kind of chaotic, but um, you had a lot of really good information. You did really great. So thank you so much. A huge, huge thank you to Grant again for all of that and for caring so much about our campus and city. And to add on, what Grant, add on to what Grant had to say, 
Here's a little snippet of my conversation with Lily Thigpen, another MSU senior who has been doing great research and getting some really crazy hands-on experience protecting wildlife all over the Southeast and for the last couple of years on internships uh, during the school year and uh, doing research. So this is what those last few, these last few years of research have meant to her. My name is Lily Thigpen. I am an undergraduate at Mississippi State studying wildlife fisheries and aquaculture with a concentration in conservation biology. And this past summer, I worked with Bat Conservation International based out of Texas, and I worked with bats. <laughs> I got to capture and release around 500 bats this summer, and we did some basic measurements. So we like take them out of the net and we measure their forearm and then we have their body weight, and then we take a little swab, and then we release them, and they go and they enjoy their night. Most bats in North America eat insects. Actually, all the bats in North America eat insects. Um, and the only, like, bats that eat, like, fruit or, like, blood are not in the U.S., so you don't have to worry about that. Um, so bats aren't really that scary. They're just cute little flying puppies. They're really tiny and really cute. And um, I just I just love them so much. And I think they're really, really important to ecosystems. Um, bats save um, agricultural, the agriculture community around $4 billion a year in pesticide use. Um, so you can thank bats or eating all the insects that you don't want to see around. But yeah, bats are really, really important. And um, we actually have a lot of gaps in our research on bats, which is why I think it's important to study them, and which is why I want to study them, especially for diseases. I know we all heard about bats kind of being a thing with COVID. And um, I think that they're really important to study because of their immune system. Bats have this really cool thing where um, they'll have like a really high amount of virus in their system, but it won't affect them because they have like a cap on how much inflammation their body has. They, they basically don't even have a response to um, diseases, which is really, really cool. And so I think it's important to study that. And it might be one of the biggest like medical advances that we can make is if we figure out why they don't have an immune response. And then maybe we can incorporate that so that people don't get as sick whenever there's an emerging disease. So one of the most important things going forward for me is to continue to study bats and make sure that I do the best to support research that helps them recover and that helps tell us a little bit more about them and what they're doing and how they live and, you know, why they're important to humans and to make people love bats because I love bats. So I want other people to love them too and not be so afraid of them. All right. And that wraps up our podcast exclusive. It looks like there's hope for the future environment and wildlife in Mississippi, especially with the hard work um, of people like Grant and Lily that they are putting into protecting nature and sustaining a healthy environment 
um, as well as taking time to educate fellow students in a kind and loving way and really making it easy for the community to participate in um, protecting uh, the environment. Okay, Bulldogs, that's actually all I have for you today. Um, I hope you guys had some fun, learned a little, laughed a little, you know, whatever makes you happy. Tune in next week for more hard-hitting, heartwarming, and fun stories like these from your fellow student reporters. Keep up with us on Instagram at Take30NewsMSU, so Take30News. Uh, follow our podcast and watch us live at 4 p.m. every Friday to watch our anchors do a fabulous job each week getting these stories to you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm your host, Izzy Mahurl, for the Take 30 podcast. Thanks for listening again, and stay happy and healthy, Bulldogs.